Well, this is George Sayor with another episode of the PNR Churchman, and I have two moderators with me. Two men who have served as PCA GA moderators, and both these men are currently on the SJC, the Standing Judicial Commission. So we have a fascinating conversation coming up. But I have uh, basically Howie Donahue. Did I, did I say your last name right? I should have. I should have asked that before. How no, do you that's say it, to Howie? Perfect. Yeah, Donahue. Uh, Howie. Okay, Donahoe, and then John Bice, and John was with us earlier in the year before GA, um, and so welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having us, George. Okay, so let's introduce you guys a little bit to to the crowd who doesn't know you. John Bice, John, you didn't say this to me last time, but I, I understand you have an MBA from Harvard. Is that true? That's that's a true statement. That's a true statement. Okay, uh, you're you're in a consulting world, and uh, are you retired or? I'm I'm slowing down. I've given okay. up my commercial office space, and uh, I'm being a little more selective about my uh, cases, and told people not to expect me to be in the office the kind of hours that I used to keep, and that kind of thing. Gotcha. Right. W- one one amazing thing is between you and Howie. I think you have 70 years or more as ruling elders in the PCA. Why the hair's so, gone. That's why the hair's gone. So how many years have you been a ruling elder, John? Roughly 35. Yes. Okay. Howie, how about you? Uh, about the same. 36 or 7, something like that. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, awesome, because I, as I always say, this is a ruling elder, uh, ruling elder podcast with ruling elders for ruling elders. And, uh, John, another interesting thing I picked up from the last time you and I spoke is you basically a church planter, which is, which is awesome. I know you didn't call yourself that, but you were in your church right now, which particularized 10 years ago, and you were there at the start of it. And so I, I just, I love that part of your story also. And then of course, 35 years as a ruling elder and you grew up in first church in Jackson, right? That's correct. I did. Awesome. Howie, how about you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I, I'll just, I'll toot your horn a little bit. Eight years in the Air Force, 35 years as a, a commercial pilot with uh, U.S. Air and American Airlines. And so if anybody has had a bad experience with those airlines, don't, uh, I guess you can't throw anything at your screens. But um, it looks like you got out of the Air Force right before the Top Gun craze. Is that, I got out of the Air Force that in, uh, in 85, right before I got married, uh, when all the airlines were hiring, yeah. Okay. And as you said, RE for 37 years. Let, me, preface, let, me, uh, let me say that, that, that I was ordained probably 10 years too early. So 27 good years and 10 obnoxious years. <laughs> 10 obnoxious years. Okay. I really want to get into this. And you guys, if you guys start talking, I don't need to just ask the questions. You guys can have a conversation. Uh, so so feel free to share whenever. But one one more thing before we get into the SJC. Uh, actually, two two more two more things. One, Howie, I understand your your daughter's family was actually affected by the the fires in Hawaii. Um, are you able to tell us a little bit about that? I, I know the PCA has different churches on different islands in Hawaii, and they're trying to do some support work over there. Uh, yeah, they don't have your a PCA on, um, on Maui. They lived in Lahaina, place they lived in burned down. They got out fine uh, without whatever you could put in a minivan. But um, yeah, wow. she's the middle daughter of my three daughters of the five kids. But uh, uh, yeah, the they're doing fine and uh, they were over here for a while and then they went back to Maui Sunday and they've got a place for six months over there that they lined up. So uh, they're in a non-denom church over there and they're helping people get housing over there. And a lot of the homeowners are being pretty gracious. Um, people with rental properties are letting displaced people uh, live in them. And uh, it's kind of a Hawaii graciousness kind of thing, but yeah, thanks for asking. They're doing you're doing good. Wow. Just to add, just to ask on that a little bit more. You're saying they they were there when the fire started, and then they loaded up their van and got out. Uh, Annie was home with the two kids, and Justin was working, and uh, he came home and said, "Hey, we got to pack up." Wow. So yeah, it wow, was okay. Uh, we've been in Lahaina a number of times, and it's just kind of. Uh, 
amazing what wind and fire does to wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. So for, for any listeners, particularly at Meadowview, uh, we, our missions conference is uh, September 30th and October 1st, and we have Dr. O. Palmer Robertson as our speaker. We're totally blessed by that. But as part of our um, silent auction, the fu- half of the funds that we raised during that is going to go toward um, relief efforts for these Hawaii fires. And so I just th- thought I'd throw that plug there. Usually we, we raise five or $6,000 usually, so half of that will go there. And um, yeah, I, I understand there's no church. Like you said, there's no church there, but we do have other churches in on different islands in, in the area, and they're looking to help in different ways, I know. Yep. Um, wh- one reason I wanted to have you both on was because, first of all, I want to do a, a discussion on the Standing Judicial Commission because I think there's a lot of mystery around how cases get up there, what you, you guys actually do, and I thought it would be good to have a couple of, of, of the men on. And another reason is, like I already said, you, you're both moderators of, of the PCA. So, uh, Howie, you were 2019, right? Uh, yeah, Dallas. <laughs> okay. okay. And then, um, John, you were 2022, 20, 21? 22 because we skipped a year for COVID. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I knew it was... Uh, Howard's so typically... the longest serving moderator in the history of the PCA. <laughs> I can always count on you for a fun fact, John. I know that. <laughs> so th- there you go. That Did you know that, Howie? Did you know that about yourself? Yeah, but serving is in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, but what what was neat is, so... Howie and John, you ran against each other or people ran you against each other in, in 2019. I guess that was the second time you, you had been nominated. Is that is that right, John? Second time I was nominated. That's correct. Okay. And and Howie edged you out. And did a marvelous <laughs> job. Yes. Yeah. We knew but that. But then we Howie, both... you went you went I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, yeah, I think my internet's slow. Um we knew we were going to be nominated against each other, and we had a lot of conversations leading up to it about how the best way to handle some of the issues and who would work well on certain study committees and stuff. So um, he helped me immensely. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, that was that was a part. Of, that was a fascinating part of the conversation you and I had, John, when you you were just saying there is like some pre-discussion going on because both of you men and anybody who gets nominated for that, their heart is first for the denomination. And so how to best, I mean, it's, it's kind of a crazy thing. It's like you parachute in and you're supposed to run this meeting now that has all this, this pre-work. And so I know uh, you go in there with some, some plans, but uh, at what point, Howie, did you know you were going to nominate John in 2022? I think it was when the young fellow that nominated him in Dallas came up to me. Um, I think in Dallas. So, two years prior oh okay all right well that's i don't think i don't think john knows that i don't (laughs) (laughs) see you heard it here Uh, well let's get let's get into it then so the standing judicial commission uh john how long have you been on this uh since uh 2013 so i'm in my um 11th year okay well, that's that's a long that's a long time. And how about you, Howie? Oh, listen, I'm a rookie compared to Howie. <laughs> okay. uh, twenty-two years. Oh, you, you've been on the SJC for twenty-two years. Oh my. Okay. <laughs> well, then we got the, the right guys is, on here. The so pay is, the pay is good. <laughs> Do you guys get paid? No. <laughs> you don't get. But your travel's covered, right? Yeah. Okay. So, how I want to start this is like we we often it's often said like the Supreme court of the PCA and that's not exactly what you guys are, but how do cases get to the standing judicial commission? How, how do they get there? Who wants to take that? I'll take it. I'll give it a um, all right, John, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, <laughs> sorry. All right, John, let's, I'll, I'll call <laughs> Yeah, we, I'll, I'll try to, uh, I'll try. <laughs> don't worry. I do some editing. Too. Cases get to the SJC basically four ways. Uh, there are, uh, appeals uh, from conviction. There are complaints against various actions. Uh, there's also uh, reference matters. 
And then uh, there can be items that come up in the course of uh, review and control that result uh, in requests for investigation. Okay, so let's take let's take those. The uh, what's an appeal look like, Howie? Well, it can either be the appeal of a disciplinary uh, verdict and censure imposed by a session or by a presbytery. If it's imposed by the session, the appellant can go seek the mind of the presbytery on the matter by taking the appeal to presbytery. If presbytery doesn't sustain the appeal, uh, he can carry it to the SJC. Um, if it's a presbytery censure, then the appeal would just go straight to the SJC because it's the next higher court. <clears throat> has to be filed within 30 days after the convicted party is notified of the uh, action of the court. Okay. And just, and again, just because I like to, uh, you know, educate and inform wherever I can. So cases have to, have to originate in the lowest court, in the court it, it exists in. So in, 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 you know, in the local church, uh, and then that can get appealed to the presbytery and that can get appealed to the SJC. If it's for uh, a minister uh, or a session, it could, it will originate in the presbytery, which could then get appealed to the SJC. So things get to the SJC because they've worked their ways up from the lower courts. Is that is that an accurate way to say that? Uh, yeah. So there could be, let's say, John Doe is convicted in First Pres, Milwaukee. Uh, he appeals that to the presbytery. Presbytery doesn't sustain it. He sends an email to the PCA clerk saying, I am notifying you that I'm appealing uh, the censure from the session, Presbytery denied it. Uh, then the clerk's office, we have an administ full-time, pretty much full-time administrative assistant working on um, SJC stuff, uh, Margaret Baker, and um, uh, she'll ask the clerk of that Presbytery to send up the record of the case. The record of the case would then go to uh, the officers. The officers would look at it and decide if, whether it's administratively in order or not, does a person have standing? Um, was it filed properly within the time period, etc.? If it's administratively in order, then a panel panel of three judges, three primaries, and two alternates uh, is pulled at random. Uh, the record is sent to that uh, panel. One man is a convener. Uh, usually, the most experienced of the people drawn is the convener, and he schedules a meeting within ten days. At that meeting, they elect uh, the chairman and the secretary of the panel. Uh, they talk a little bit about the case. Uh, and then after that, the panel chairman can communicate with the parties, uh, not ex parte, communicates with them both at the same time, saying, uh, you're gonna, anybody going to have a problem with the record? Uh, what's your schedule for the hearing? Uh, we'll probably do it by Zoom. You can each file briefs, yada, yada, yada. And then eventually a panel has a hearing. Uh, the panel's got 45 days to file their proposed decision to the SJC. It's, copy, it's sent to the parties, and at the next SJC meeting, it's on the docket. The panel presents its proposed decision, and then the discussion begins. Okay, I got I got all kinds of questions. So, yeah. so the first one is you answered you answered one how it gets to the the smaller group, the panel, and so that gets pulled at random. What are you? In, in in the case of an appeal, are you actually hearing a case, or are you just reviewing how the case was conducted? Just reviewing. We're an appellate court, unless we are ourselves conducting a trial, like the one in Indianapolis last year. We're an appellate court, which means we live and die on the record. We're reviewing the record. Um, okay. Yeah. If it's an appeal, so, though, okay. if it's an appeal, the record will include the transcript of the trial. But go ahead, John. Uh, yeah, go ahead, John. Well, I was, I was going to say that uh, the Howie's comment, the significant item there is that the uh, the SJC uh, judges by our vows um, are confined <clears throat> to consideration of those items that are properly in the record of the case. So sometimes people will say, well, why didn't you consider X, Y, and Z? And X, Y, and Z, if they weren't in the record of the case, are outside of the view of the court and should not uh, be a part of its consideration. So um, there are folks who tend to be somewhat casual about uh, 
what the process that involved until they get involved in it. And uh, I say these things to point to the significance of the work of clerks of uh, sessions as well as clerks of presbyteries with regard to assembling of a good set of documents that allows a case to be reviewed um, robustly and with uh, emphasis on those things that are pertinent and that were considered in the lower court. Okay. And, you know, I said, guys, I said I was going to say this at the beginning and I, and I forgot, but neither of what you guys are saying are speaking to any particular details of any cases. Uh, you're speaking on behalf of yourselves, not on behalf of the court and all that. Is there anything else you'd want to share on that as we move forward? No. That's good. You okay. Good. Okay. So the... um. So you can only review the record of the case, and in that case, what are you looking for as you review the record? Well, well wait a second. How are you on a second? Go ahead, John. Well, as you look at the record, you look, um, first of all, at least my inclination is to look at um, what were the charges? What specifically was the individual being charged? And then what are the what are the biblical basis for that? What's the evidence? How was it pursued? Was it done properly? You know, procedurally, was everything in order? Um, you know, it, it's really a, a pretty logical sequence in terms of understanding that the trial was conducted as it should have been, in a biblical manner. That uh, the, the accused knew what the charges were, there were appropriate bases, the evidence was considered appropriately, um, those sorts of things. And then, um, you know, was the judgment consistent uh, with the evidence? And of course, they also look, uh, in addition to the record, um, parties uh, after the record is finalized and before the hearing, each party has the opportunity um, to submit a, ten, a brief of up to 10 pages. So well, you also look at that brief. Go ahead. I say we changed that to 12 pages, but it, it had always been 10. But uh, as the SJC judges get older, we, we went and bumped it to 12-point font and 12 pages. <laughs> so <laughs> let, let me let me jump in here then. So as you're reviewing the, the record of the case and the briefs, because obviously if it's being appealed, the people who are doing the appeal want to highlight some something wrong, perhaps procedurally or in the actual decision. So in that regard, it almost sounds like there's two things and maybe there's more. But on one hand, if, if a case is coming to you in appeal, they can be claiming there was something procedurally out of order. That's correct. But they also could be claiming maybe nothing was procedurally out of order, but that the, the the decision that was rendered would be the wrong decision. Is that also correct? Yes. So does the SJC then, in some cases, overrule a decision, and yet in other cases send it back to reconduct or to fix an error in the procedure? Well, well for you, Howie. Yeah, it depends on um, whether it's an appeal or a complaint. Um, and... The last paragraph of those chapters in the BCO describe what power the higher court, the appellate court has. In an appeal, the SJC can annul the verdict um, and restore the man to his pre-trial status. Um, in a complaint, uh, it's a little bit different. The SJC doesn't have quite that amount of power. The SJC can rule that the lower court erred. Um, and uh, I'd have to read 43310, 43, but they're, uh, that they erred, but we can't act for them. So we would instruct them to do such and such. And um, so you, you, yep. Go so ahead. you can annul a decision. So if a man was convicted, of, if a person was convicted, you can, you said annul that. Can they be re, retried or reprosecuted at that point? No? No. I mean, the okay, book doesn't so, use the, the words double jeopardy, but it would depend on what the reversal was 
um, based on. I'll give you an example. Um, there were two Sartorius versus Sulans cases. The Sartorius was a prosecutor, prosecuted a fellow, a minister, and um, the minister was acquitted. Um, and then the prosecutor complained against that acquittal, came to the SJC. We sustained his complaint because essentially testimony was offered in a written document by the accused minister. It was admitted at trial, which the prosecutor argued and the SJC agreed that was testimony that was not cross-examinable. We voided the not guilty verdict, sent it back. It was retried and he was found not guilty on the, on the second trial. But that was a pretty profound use of power by an appellate court on a procedural matter. And I agreed with, I, I agreed with that. Okay. So change, change of scenery for, for Howie. We, we were talking about uh, cases that come to the SJC through appeal. And as part of that conversation, you guys had talked about or mentioned um, complaints. And so um, Howie, maybe explain to listeners what a complaint is. Yeah. Um, it's basically a motion to rescind or amend something previously adopted, which is a standard thing in Roberts. So um, first off, the person has to have standing. Anybody in the church that the church member, communion member, can um, make such a complaint against the session, even though they're not a member of the session and couldn't really make that motion because they're not a member of the session. But they can file that complaint to the presbytery. I mean, to the um, session, sorry. They can say, I complained against the session's action of uh, using the um, Red Trinity hymnal. Uh, session hears the complaint, renders a judgment, and the person either um, uh, accepts that, or if they want, they can carry that to the presbytery. Um, at the presbytery level, presbytery members are ministers and the churches in the presbytery, so only ministers or churches in the presbytery can file complaints uh, against the presbytery action and carry to the SJC. And a church is either the session of the church or the ruling elder commissioner to that particular meeting. And those are the people that have standing. So okay. that's a complaint. And technically, it could be against any act or decision of the court, lower court. Right. And so in that case, it's not considered like charges. There's no there's no case going on in those courts. If somebody disagrees with a decision of the court, which could be a session or a presbytery, and it's it's filed as a complaint, and it could be appealed up to the SJC. The, the complaint could get sent to the SJC. In that case, you're not reviewing record of a case because a case wasn't conducted you're just seeing whatever documentation they supplied you with with the decision and why somebody disagrees with it well uh, i mean when when one files a complaint they uh, file the complaint with the board of original jurisdiction and it's got to specify uh, the basis for the complaint um, some biblical reason or some you know violation of our rule and uh, and there's a, a hearing. You know, the, well, uh, the the, uh, the original jurisdiction court may conduct a hearing. They may simply weigh the facts on the face of it and make a decision. But by the time it gets to the SJC, there's typically a record, and okay. it it can be, you know, just as is the case with appeals. Uh, that record can be voluminous. Okay. Anything and, to add know, to that? How? Really, it, it, yeah, go ahead, John. Keep, keep going. I was, I was going to add to something that Howie said. He was talking about standing, uh, and what he said was accurate. But um, if one originates a complaint against the session, escalates it to the presbytery uh, upon uh, denial of the complaint, um, he does have standing to continue carrying it on through the SJC. And I think that the reason in that instance is that his complaint is against a session action. While he disagrees with the presbytery action not to sustain his complaint, um, he's not complaining to the presbytery as if it was the original court. So he's carrying his session complaint to the SJC. 
Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. What What would you say the percentages are uh, anecdotally between like the SJC handling cases that are appealed to you versus complaints that are sent up to you? What's the majority of your work? Complaints. Complaints. Okay. So 80%. somebody doesn't like. And and are they are they and what percentage goes from? Again, I know this is we don't have numbers, but like. What percentage of the complaints are because of uh, are starting in sessions, and what percent do you think are starting in presbyteries? Maybe half and half. Uh, really? Maybe more presbytery. Maybe sixty percent presbytery origination, forty percent session. You, what do you think, question. John? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I would. I agreed when Howie said half and half, but um, you know, it's hard to say. But I, I think that generally, um, individual sessions do not have as much experience as do presbyteries. And so there is a stronger likelihood due to that lack of experience um, or there being something uh, against which the complaint may be lodged at the local session level than is likely the case at presbytery. Um, do you agree with that, Howie? Yeah, I would say yes. And most members aren't really familiar with complaint process, church members. And um, even if it's a complaint against the session that gets carried to the presbytery, um, a lot of those don't ever get to us because you have two courts reviewing it and one of them's going to catch it probably if it's a a clear error. Yeah. Um, One of the things I wanted to mention earlier about our responsibility as uh, kind of an appellate court is how much discretion are we to give to the lower decision of the lower court, and uh, that's why we have a record of the case. There's some things the lower court probably knows that isn't in the record, um, and some things that we'll never know. The evaluation of a person's character and stuff like that. Um, so just like in the civil courts. There's a spectrum of um, they call it statute. I mean, uh, standards of review. So if the case is clearly a question of law, uh, a question of um, um, constitutional interpretation, less deference is given to the decision of the lower court. If it's a question of fact or judgment and discretion. Um, then greater deference is afforded to the lower court. So one of the things that's always a little bit challenging is to decide what's the standard of review for any particular case. Um, And just like in the civil world, it's not really always that clear what the standard of review should be. Um, If it is a question of law, um, we are, we can reverse the lower court if there's any error, if someone files a complaint a day after the window closes, that's a question of law, and we could reverse the lower court. Um, if it's a question of uh, a dispute on factual matters or judgment and discretion, then I think the book says ordinarily we're to give great deference to the decision of the lower court. Unless there's clear error, we're not supposed to re- overturn it. So the lines are kind of fuzzy sometimes as to whether which one it is. Sometimes it's more than one, and uh, it's hard to say exactly what clear error is. That's that's a adjective defined by each judge. So that th- this uh, opens all kinds of questions for me sure, because sure. I I can imagine that given you know 20 years and over and 10 years on the SJC you have a, a a wide breadth of experience in trying to apply those whatever grid you have for what you just described and yet somebody coming in new doesn't have that and so what what is like I'm totally jumping off you know I know we had an outline but I'm jumping off that completely now what what is it like, like onboarding new people to the SJC? I mean, is there hazing? Is it uh, like, it, it, did John Maynard just get on the SJC? Did I hear? Is that 
Yes. Yes. Okay. On the panel together right now. So, are you? Is there a hazing procedure for this? Is there? No. no. Okay. Both are very uh, great. <laughs> I'm sure. So, what? But what? Like, how, like, how does that? John aside, forget John Maynard right now. <laughs> Sorry, John. Um, but just in general, like, is there is there somehow like a pass down of experience where y'all help each other understand how to process what you just said, where how much deference to give or not to give in certain situations? Yeah, I <clears throat> the last two years, the uh, SJC officers have scheduled a Zoom for the new guys. Mm. Uh, we've talked about a lot of logistical details, a lot of um, philosophical things. Um, we've got a spreadsheet with decisions from, a, I don't know, the last 20 years or so, so that they can see that and use those references if they want to look up, uh, you know, what divorce cases uh, SJC's ever handled and how they oh. rule on them and stuff. Um, and a lot of... Uh, a lot of the standard of review things they'll they'll get when they read proposed panel decisions, um, concurring opinions, dissenting opinions, things like that. And most of the guys, it's not the concept isn't complicated. Trying to decide whether mere deference or clear deference should be given, you know, or deference or great deference should be given to lower court. That's always going to be. A judgment call, I think, and 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 it's frequently one that is uh, debated uh, at some length in cases. Yeah, uh, I mean that's why earlier when uh, something popped up, I thought it was going to relate to that issue of deference, and that's why um, I said uh, that's a softball for you, Howie, because um, <laughs> Howie Howie tends to be um, um, much more deferential to right. lower courts, um, and. You know, we had discussions about that. Yeah, and that the deference comes in. It's not so much what would I have decided if I was in their shoes, um, because it's hard not to ask yourself that question when you get a case. I mean, I'd probably always ask it in the back of my mind somewhere. Um, but it's you know, was it was it clearly unreasonable? I mean. That court had jurisdiction. Was it clearly unreasonable for them to do that? I mean, a reasonable man, no reasonable man would have come to that conclusion or whatever. So it is, I mean, it's always a debatable thing. And, um, but I think the SJC works it out pretty well. Tell me about the weight you feel, the, the gravity, the weightiness of being on the SJC. I mean, obviously, if this were just, like some kind of worldly institution that would be some kind of a prominent position but this is the this is the court and the church of Jesus Christ and you are helping to decide things in lines with Matthew 18 our lord's first instructions to his church like what does that feel does it are you able to describe what it feels like as you go into any case, any anything you're about to do within the SJC, what's it? Do, does that ever cross your mind? Oh yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's 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 a weighty situation. Um, you know, by the time cases get to the SJC, typically they've been around for a good while, and the mere fact that people <clears throat> have pursued them to this degree and to bring them all the way to the SJC is indicative of the importance of it to them, particularly given the fact that it involves um, not only a strong position on the on behalf of each of the parties, but also the fact that it's their church makes it a particularly emotional, um, an emotionally uh, laden item. And so it is not unusual for us to, um, as we get into the record, to get a very clear view as to the fact that the uh, parties to these cases are highly emotionally impacted. Uh, the church more broadly in terms of the local congregation and sometimes even the entirety of the Presbytery may be impacted by it. So um, it's 
it imparts, I think, a particular um, significance uh, and a uh, a sense of uh, both gravity and urgency uh, with respect to the conduct of the case, the maintenance of independence, and the exercise of um, sound biblical judgment. Yeah, thank you, John. Go ahead, Howard. Yeah, the weightiness, I feel, is pretty similar to what John described. After seeing, I don't know, 20 cases a year for 20 years or something like that, um, it just grieves me that this stuff happens in churches. And, and by stuff, I mean people can't resolve stuff. And, um, I mean, I'll, <clears throat> I've told this story before. I try to talk my son, one of my son-in-laws, out of going to seminary, because he's a a very very strong fellow, but he's gentle, and I don't think he realizes the turmoil that's out there sometimes. <clears throat> and I was unsuccessful at trying to dissuade him, but um, um, yeah, it's just so many times I want to ask the parties, and we don't really do this in a hearing. Really, this is really the the best way you thought to settle this thing. I mean, that's what weighs on me. Mm. Yeah. And it, it, in one sense, I'd say it's pretty heartbreaking at times when you see the uh, the turmoil that has resulted from an item that is addressed early uh, and uh, only on the part of each party. Um, seems that it could have been solvable long ago. Um, I don't say that to minimize the fact that people bring cases to us and there needs to be a uh, place for resolution. But um, all too often, um, you know, Howie and I have had occasions before where we've said, boy, how did this thing get to us? It just doesn't have come this far. And, and that's really heartbreaking because it has caused so much heartache, so much damage to the church, uh, and in some instances, real damage to you know the name and reputation of the church and of Christ. Mm. Mm. So, Howie, you, you threw out a number that you you know 20, 20 cases a year for twenty something years, and so um, you know that, that's something that's on my mind. Like, how do you? I know a lot of these cases have hundreds, if not thousands, of pages of everything emails and everything that becomes a part of the record how do you guys do your i mean you're, you're both retired semi-retired I, I know john's not fully retired but uh and then and your then your shepherds in your church as, as ruling elders like how do you how do you manage that how do you juggle that and well most of the time i was flying airplanes so i'd say uh autopilot <laughs> no. i'm serious I'm serious. You're serious? FAA, FAA can't come after me now. So No, um, I had lots of time, lots of time on layovers and hotels when I was out working. So that, I mean, it was a perfect job for me to be, to be able to do this. Some of the, most of the records, I don't know, let's say 200 pages long, maybe, but the ones with trial transcripts, you know, go up into the multiple hundreds. <clears throat> um, we got a, case right now it's not a trial but it's almost 1300 page record i think john is on that one um i was happy to avoid that, that one um but um the panel has to read the entire record the so the three primaries and if necessary the two alternate sjc members the book says and the sjc manuals approved by the General Assembly. If we want to change some of it, we have to propose that to the Assembly, and it's a two-thirds vote. Um, the manual says that non-panel members must read enough of the record of the case to understand the issues in the case. Okay, They don't have to read 1,200 pages if, if they have to read the briefs and the panel's proposed decision. So they got the panel's proposed decision, complainant's brief, Presbytery's brief, um, uh, and 
most of the time you understand the issues in the case right there. Um, so, and, and I, I would guess, I would guess that would help direct you to where to look further too. And oftentimes the, the panels help by saying the most important thing, we think the most important things in the record are these 20 pages or something. Yeah. Because the parties, when they file their brief, are asked or it's suggested that they propose what they think the issue is in the case. So that both parties would propose that and say, this is what we think the issue is. Sometimes it's the same, sometimes it's different. But, um, you know, that helps uh, the panel and the SJC members uh, f focus in a little bit more surgically on what, what we're going to be talking about. And further, the, the proposed decision um, always must include a statement of the facts. So that statement of the facts is sort of a timeline of the major events that occurred uh, that brought about the case as the case went through the lower courts and the like. And typically, in its draft stage, when it's being circulated to the broader members of the commission, a panel will put references in that statement of the facts, you know, see this record of the case, page X. So there again, the panel really aids the broader commission in terms of those who are not members being able to quickly focus in on the most salient issues and those that are most prominent in the, uh, in the matter. So I, I know this this next question is is close to both of your hearts, and I thought this was uh, a good place to bring it in. But how much then does relational relationships and trust among SJC members play into this kind of thing? I mean, if you have panels of just three three men um, doing all the the work you just described, and then the entire panel reviewing that. Um, is there just implicit trust that the Lord has raised up each man onto the SJC or is there, yeah, just what are the dynamics, the relational dynamics like? I don't think, <clears throat> I don't think I would hesitate to uh, vote against a panel decision based on who wrote it. Um, um, yeah. But there's often interchanges before, uh, before the SJC meeting. We meet, Two days in Atlanta in October, two days in, um, is it March now, John? Early March, right? I think, or late uh, February? We, we, I think we changed it back to early March. Okay. Yeah. Um, but if, you know, when a panel reaches its this proposed decision, it'll file it with Margaret. Margaret will send it out to the SJC members. And, <clears throat> you know, I, we'll look, each guy will read it and go, yeah, I'm missing something, you know, and it call the call the panel chair up or the right person that wrote the thing and said, "What? Well, why did you guys do such and such? So some of that interaction goes back and forth. And then more now than ever, um, people will sometimes draft concurring opinions in waiting or something and circulate that or say, hey, at the meeting, I'm going to I'm going to propose a substitute. Um for your four pages of rationale, because I think we can whittle it down to one paragraph or something like that. So um, we trust. Um, yeah, I mean, we we trust, but we don't always agree. Um, go ahead, John. Yeah, uh, George, I would I would take your question about uh, trust and respect, and I would divide it uh, into two elements. Uh, there's uh, there's great affection and uh, collegiality among the members of the SJC. Having said that, um, you know, we can argue uh, fairly energetically with one another. But because we love and respect each other, um, you know, when it's over, it's over. Um, you know, uh, and that's so. As Howie said, just because someone that, that I um, have respect for is part of a panel or wrote a panel decision doesn't mean I'm going to automatically agree with it. 
Right. But I know that we have a relationship that, you know, I can go to Howie and say, Howie, what are you smoking? <laughs> and, you know, he will, you know, he will, he will chuckle and he'll say, you know, you've lost your mind. We've got the right answer. <laughs> and, you know, we'll, we, we may go back and forth. And I remember a case several years ago where Howie and I went back and forth with each other, you know, for, Maybe six weeks because you know we don't we don't have a meeting every time you know a case comes up. We have these two meetings a year, and we may have Zoom meetings in the interim if there's enough volume to justify it. But uh, you know sometimes a proposed decision is out there for a while, and you know it'll be the subject of a fair amount of back and forth, particularly if it's a um, a case that has some elements that have real significant implications. Yeah, and so there's 24 judges. So if Judge A, Judge G, and Judge W get pulled on a panel, um, it's very likely I could say to myself right away, depending on the issue, I'm probably not going to agree with what they what they propose. But um, that's life. You know, it's it's fine. And maybe maybe they'll persuade me. Maybe not. When I was younger, <clears throat> um, I would come home from SJC meetings just uh, um, just uh, depressed because I couldn't get my way. And then I read some more Scalia and what Scalia said about dissenting opinions and concurring opinions, and it really relieved my heart. God is sovereign. This could be such and such decision. I'll write a concurring or dissenting, and then we'll move on. And and that's been a real relief for me. Uh, and <clears throat> the ability in the in the PCA to uh, vote against or to file a minority report or to uh, even uh, protest um, is beautiful because there's that wonderful phrase at, at the end. It says, and there it shall end. And then you move on. And then you move on. It ends. You don't hold a grudge. You don't. You just speak your piece and move on. According to God's sovereignty, you did not persuade your brothers, so you move on. Yeah, it's like what were those? What were those uh, cartoon characters from? You know, maybe you guys' day where they, you know, fight all day and then they punch oh, out and, and then they. <laughs> what was? Oh, the, I said. I mean, yeah. there was there was a time in the SJC where a panel decision couldn't be reversed, maybe not even changed, unless there was a two-third vote in the SJC. Well, now, panels, they're not merely committees, but they're proposing a recommendation. And uh, it's unusual for a panel decision to get reversed the opposite direction. Um, but... If we have time at a meeting, uh, there'll be changes made. But how, like when you're saying a panel is made up of three men and then yeah. and then two alternates, like I would think it'd be very easy to get two one votes on so on a lot of these things. You're, we have some, yeah. But well, that's that's hard. That's hardly um, persuasive. What's that, John? I said compelling. Yeah, it's hardly compelling to get, to have two one votes. So, yeah. Well, but as as Howie said, I mean, you know, it's it's certainly more than a committee, and the work of the panel is not discarded by any means. But you know, it's not unusual to spend two or three hours debating a case at a meeting. I mean, it's it's certainly neither a rubber stamp routine nor you know, a quick reversal and on to the next one. Uh, and that goes back to that issue of weightiness. You know, I mean, I've, I've, you know, numerous times, you know, heard people say, you know, brothers, look at what's happening in this church. Look at the implication of these things. And, you know, those things bear on every member. Um, so I, I don't think... A uh, 2-1 panel vote probably happens 10% of the time. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's well, that's that's encouraging. So, 
what talk, talk to me about minority reports how many um how many members are required for minority report one third of those who voted so if you have uh, what'd you say there's 24 yeah right so if everybody happens to vote then eight people would be required to get a, a minority report who who then decides does the does the general assembly then decide the case Ultimately, yeah. What happens is the stated clerk is required to send to all session clerks at least 30 days prior to the meeting the SJC's decision, the minority's proposed decision, and I don't remember if it's a record of the case or not, um, but definitely those two. And then at the assembly, one becomes the SJC's decision becomes a main motion. The minorities is a substitute. Both sides get 30 minutes to present. And then I don't remember whether it goes to an immediate vote or whether there's a debate. I think it just goes to an immediate vote, but I'd have to check. Um, and we've never had a minority report go to the SJC, uh, go to the assembly that I know of. Um, I'll go on record saying, even if I was in the one third minority, I don't think I would sign for a minority report because I don't think that's the healthiest thing for the. PCA, but uh, we've never had one, but we can have one, and um, I think uh, that's fine if it happens. Yeah, yeah. So m most of what we've discussed so far is is the SJC in smaller committees, and then going to the large committee reviewing things that were generated from the presbyteries and churches. What do you ever hear? Cases like how does the SJC get original jurisdiction over a case? Well, a presbytery can ask the assembly to take original jurisdiction, uh, which was the case in the Central Indiana matter a couple of years ago. Um, or, you know, you can get a request uh, to assume original jurisdiction from multiple presbyteries, and that pathway has been uh, debated for the last two or three years at the assembly level. Uh, you know, because uh, there needs to be a balance that it's not uh, a frivolous undertaking by, you know, a couple of, uh, if I can use the expression loosely, rogue presbyteries um, who are simply being obstinate. Uh, but you also don't want uh, a requirement that is so uh, large that uh, but before something can be taken to the SJC, it is a pervasive problem that is uh, threatening the entire church. So, so the, uh, the the original jurisdiction right now it's I think it's two presbyteries can can overture, right? Or or petition the the SJC to take a case. And my understanding is the the debate surrounds the uh the failure to act or refuses to act. So the only way you guys can take it is if the lower court hadn't acted, is that correct? The SJC would need to reach a decision that the lower court refused to act. Unfortunately, that phrase is not entirely clear, and um, we have debates about that, and I've tried to write two overtures trying to make it possible. Last year's was to remove the refuse to act prerequisite and bump up the number required um, and that did not prevail um, I think there's probably a number out there I thought the number should be a little higher some thought it should be a little lower um, but yeah that's that's another way and uh, so you worked you worked <laughs> with with other men on that if I if I'm under, if I remember the history of that, I mean, there was some some joint effort in trying to get some agreement on what that should be. Is that right? The balance of that? Sure, sure. Yeah. As a legislator, though, not as a, a judge. Right, right. No. I mean, you have all the... Yeah, that's right. There's another way that a case can come before us. We have two before us in October that came via 40-5, <clears throat> Northwest Georgia and Metro New York. Uh, someone files an allegation of um, um, 
important delinquent yeah important delinquency or grossly unconstitutional proceeding <clears throat> um i think well a couple of years ago sjc decided for sure we're going to send these to rpr not we're not going to we're going to ask the clerk to forward them to rpr not to us and rpr this year looked at one 40-5 involving uh grace presbytery and said that's not a credible report of an important delinquent, and that did, so that didn't come to us. But there was another part that RPR recommended the assembly send it to the SJC, and they did that with the Metro New York and the and the uh, female thing. Um, so those are on the docket uh, for October. Uh, Metro New York sends a representative. The assembly uh, sends its representative, which at least in one of those cases, is a member of the RPR. And um, they can file briefs. Uh, they get time, probably a half hour each, to present their uh, arguments. And the SJC members ask questions and then uh, render a decision on whether it was an important delinquency or grossly unconstitutional procedure and uh, whether Presbyterians remedied it or how they should remedy it. So those are rare, though. 40-5... They're more frequent now than they were 15 years ago, but. Um, Do, and, yeah. and those really came through RPR, right? And, and you kind of said that. they. Yeah. I mean, there's some SJC judges that think that um, we should do 40-5 cases, too. And I'm kind of sympathetic to that, but um, the majority of the SJC are not, are not. So they go to RPR. Right. Okay. Interesting. Well, I'm sure. I mean, there's so much we could we could talk about. What I, uh, but we do have to wrap, start wrapping up. So, what I would like for both of you to do, I didn't tell you this before, but give me a one of your favorite or funny stories from your time on the SJC. Who wants to go first? Oh my goodness! Uh, let me think here. John, what do you got? Well. Uh, Howie and I were on a panel together um, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> early, early in my tenure, and uh, one of the uh, one of the parties, uh, the complainant, was um, most insistent. Uh, I want to say uh, I said the panel, the first panel I had shared, and thankfully I had Howie and some other experienced <laughs> guys on the panel to help me. But I think at one point I had. 1,200 emails related to the case. And, um, you know, among other things, uh, there was an attempt to add uh, the gentleman's autobiography to the record of the case, um, uh, which which did not uh, succeed, by the way, in terms of doing that. But um, there was a, a, there seemed in the exchanges concerning the record to be a lot of acrimony and so on. And uh, we held a face-to-face -face, uh hearing, which is um, pretty unusual, but uh, at the conclusion of the hearing, you know, the the two parties, the complainant and the representative of the Presbytery, uh, the Presbytery representative was asking for some assistance getting a cab to get to the airport, and the complainant says, well, why don't you come ride with me? And uh, I had to chuckle because there had been all of this acrimony and during the course of the hearing at one point we had talked about whether or not we needed to have them when they were uh, away to be in different rooms because it had been so uh, some of the exchanges had been so heated and uh, I thought to myself boy I'd love to be uh, riding in the back of that rental car and just hear what goes on <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'd have to think some more about that It's I love the question though because um, I like to laugh probably would involve Dr. Ray Kanata in some way or another. So I'll just leave it there. May, well, maybe we'll do it again. We'll, <laughs> we'll title the episode like SJC confessions or something and, and have you guys like uh, tell, I bet you, I bet you have some stories. So I wish I prepped you for that. Maybe you could have come up right. with a good one. <laughs> oh, well, any, okay. So anything else, either of you want to share? Uh, again, most of my listeners are ruling elders, but there are some teaching elders and, uh, they care about the PCA very much. They want to understand better how things work. And, uh, so 
last words for either of you just on the topic? Um, I hope the Lord gives his spirit to our sessions and presbyteries like he's given to our court. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a, that's, that's a succinct way to put it, Howie. That's great. John? You know, I would echo that from Howie, but I would also say that, you know, I would hope that um, folks who um, haven't seen the SJC up close would, uh, would realize the, um, the gravity with which uh, the judges of the SJC uh, view these matters and the seriousness with which things are undertaken. I mean, as you said, there's, um, you know, sometimes there are uh, records in excess of a thousand pages. And, uh, and yet we also know that uh, these are items that, as we said earlier, involve deep emotions and have a significant impact on individuals, on local churches, presbyteries, and essentially on the broader denomination. So, um, there's a, a real serious given to those matters uh, appropriate to them. And uh, if decisions are not made casually, as we said, uh, debate uh, in the meetings can go several hours on a single case. Uh, so um, um, we work hard uh, trying to honor fight and trying to uh, bring resolution to problems. Uh, really beset um, individuals and churches. Hmm. Yeah. Let me, yeah add, how we let me add one other thing. I think one thing that would help our sessions in presbyteries um, greatly, the PCUSA has all of their judicial cases uploaded and searchable. And we could do that. Uh, all of our judicial cases are in uh, GA minutes. Uh, but we need to fund it. Somebody needs to fund it. Somebody needs to say, here's whatever amount of thousand dollars it would take to get someone to work on that. And um, I think that'd be great. But right now, if you want to search what were past SJC cases on tongues, for example, um, you'd have to go to all the minutes PDFs and search on tongues rather than having one place to get it all. So that'd be wow. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, it's, I don't know if anybody's listening out there. I don't know. I have that kind of listenership, but there's maybe there's somebody there because that, that does sound, seem crazy that we don't, that you don't have better access to that. Well, uh, it's, it shouldn't be hard, but it cost a couple of nickels probably. So maybe we can get it done. Right. You need a, a, a an individual or so, and then you need some technology to, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how well, to you, do, I don't know how yeah. to do the tech for sure. Right. You just know how to fly planes, but. You leave that computer stuff. Press, I know how to press the autopilot, but <laughs> that's right. Why? Why you read cases for the yeah. SJC? Uh, I have two items that uh, I think could be helpful um, at the lower court level. Um, one, I would urge uh, Stephen, uh when you have a judicial case that comes up, don't hesitate to reach out to somebody that's got more experience. Um, SJC members, um, you know, generally need can't get involved in those items. But there are former members of the SJC who are happy to help other people in your presbytery, perhaps. Um, and uh, I think one of the best things that our presbytery did in a case we had a couple of years ago, um, and I think it's worthy of consideration uh, at the session level too, we had uh, some complainants uh, come to the presbytery with a complaint against section of a local church. Um, we knew that the complainants were not experienced. And so the Presbytery appointed a member of the Presbytery to serve as an advisor to this group, just to help them understand the rules, to help them to present their case. Um, he was not really an advocate for them as much as he was a guide. But as it turned out, he was also able to counsel with them and to help them to, you know, see some of the nuance of the case. Uh, ultimately, the case was not tried by the presbytery, but it was resolved within the local church. And I'm convinced that a, a big part of that was because there was someone experienced who was helping them through the process. They didn't feel that they were disadvantaged by being 
um, uninformed and, and inexperienced. Um, and they understood that the presbytery wanted to hear from him, from them. They wanted to, to, to get a fair hearing. And I think, you know, in, in many instances, even if people don't get the judgment they want, if they know they've been heard, that goes a long way toward peace and purity in the church. But that's really good. I mean, if our, our ultimate, we want we want reconciliation, we want justice, and so even even those who we may, may disagree with, we want to make sure that they have they feel like they're being treated fairly and they have the information to be able to navigate our complicated system. Most, again, if you're talking about members of the church in particular, they don't, they don't know how our polity works like, you know, like they may have 50 years ago or so. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's good advice, John. You know, again, the gravity or the weight of, of shepherding a church, being on a session, having to deal on a session with some very, um, sensitive, difficult, tough decisions that men pray through and talk through and, and, and seek the Lord and come to a decision. And then sometimes the church is not very happy about decisions that the, the session has labored over how much more for the SJC, particularly in these polarizing times where there's, you know, I, I know there's been some hot button cases recently that have, the last couple of years that have come through the SJC. And when you see men like yourselves that we respect and who love the Lord and are just seeking to honor him in this high calling. I do think there, there is a sense like we can't treat what y'all do like what is being is happening in the world. Like it's some dark boardroom, you know, like there's no motives. There's no benefit to being on the SJC for you guys. It's because you love the Lord and you love his church and you love the PCA. And I do think that that should mean something, particularly when we see like overwhelming decisions on cases that are uh, controversial. And so I appreciate what both of you, what both of you do and, and, and the other 22 or so men on, on the SJC. I, hey, as two former moderators, like do you all have a club? You, do you hang? Is there a moderators PCA moderators club where you hang out and you? Howie's nodding. Okay, it's good to know. Yeah, we take a week uh, each year and get down to the Caymans and charge uh, the admin committee for it. So, <laughs> okay, there you go. There's a, there's a number of you on the SJC who have been moderators. Now you got another one with Fred Greco, of course. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. I don't know if this was interesting for our, our listeners. I, I told John this last time, Howie. The reason I do this this podcast is because it, it enables me to have conversations with cool people that otherwise wouldn't talk to me. And so... <laughs> oh, that's not good. All right. All right. The heart of BTS is first and foremost to be faithful. Faithful to the Word of God, to the sufficiency of Scripture, to knowing we serve a sovereign Lord. The second component of the heart of BTS is accessibility. We're affordable. We're flexible. We work with students to help them achieve goals. This isn't our journey. It's your journey for serving the Lord. It's your journey that God has called you to. So we pray that while God expands and grows the opportunities that we have, that we never lose sight to provide quality, reformed theological education, faithfully and accessibly, so that we can serve the local church by building leaders for his kingdom.